I'm your Huckleberry. That's just my game. Hi. What's up? Manly here. Uh, back home on Oahu. Pretty good to be back. I'm behind in like everything, but I'll catch up. Uh, pretty good at catching shit up. So, I spent a little under two weeks in Arizona. Um, I went to California, IA, uh, transient, and then went to Arizona and then flew back from Arizona yay so that was this is for the year one residency uh, I gotta go like three more times so I'll keep going and I'll keep doing these classes and um, the goal is to be Dr. Manly Souza <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds I uh, acknowledge the ridiculousness in that as well but we all got our uh, ridiculous things we do or want to do so there's that um arizona's interesting um i didn't i really didn't really have a whole lot of plans i didn't know what i wanted to do i was asking for recommendations on social media a buddy of mine josh uh, said i had to go to tombstone and then i started asking people about tombstone while i was there and Everybody was saying, yeah, you have to go to Tombstone. That's like the place that we have to check out. So a bunch of the other students wanted to go to Tombstone as well. And uh, I may sound different. I changed the way the gain works on this microphone. Hopefully it sounds good. I think I sound more like a radio DJ. Hey, Bob, we got uh, traffic on the H3. Let's uh, throw it back at you with weather. So I think I sound like a... Just your typical top 40 or AM radio DJ. Good morning. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, went on a tangent and fucking forgot what I was talking about. Tombstone. Tombstone is a time warp. Uh, I took a bunch of Instagram stories and you literally get thrown back into like 200 years ago. The 1800s. Um, people riding on horses around there, people dressed up like, um, you know, it's 1890 or something, and the saloons were open, uh, you could, you know, walk around, get a drink, um, interesting town, um, very friendly town, I think they're friendly because the tourism really keeps that town alive, very touristy, um, but I... You could definitely feel that there's 1,200 residents in that town, Tombstone. Uh, so not a very big town. Um, and, and they give the tourists, like, these weird looks. It's kind of a, a conundrum, I guess. It, I think of uh, Waikiki. Waikiki, they have this. Yeah, you need a tourist. Yeah, they're going to spend a, a lot of money and um, 
help pay a lot of bills. Um, but the locals view the tourists in a light uh, that isn't conducive to the tourism money that they bring in. And I can see the parallel and with Tombstone in that aspect. So I get it. Um, but the city was pretty cool. Uh, went down into the silver mines. It's called the Good Enough Mine Tour. They called it the Good Enough Mine because um, when they discovered that there was some silver at the mine and they initially found the silver, uh, the guy that discovered the mines was asked what he thought about the discovery of silver in that mine. And he said, ah, it's good enough. So uh, that's what the tour guide told me anyway. It was just... Uh, it was a weekday, so there wasn't, there weren't a lot of tourists, and it ended up being just me and the tour guide one on one, and we went like a hundred feet down into the silver mines, and you know he gave me a tour as if twenty people were in a group, but he was just talking to me, and I did my best to kind of make it informal. He's an Afghanistan vet, um, kind of got soured with the military. At 12 years in or so, he made it to E5, um, which is a sergeant in the army. And um, he didn't like the way the military was turning out. He didn't like uh, the, the, the way he thought leaders were becoming. Uh, so he got out. Um, yeah, he was. He didn't stay up to date with like his benefits, and he's not sure about his post nine eleven. And I was like trying to talk to him and like get him to go to websites, and you know, because he could potentially be losing a lot of money. He could go get his uh, degree for free and get paid for it um, if he, you know, navigates through the right channels to get it all done. So I kind of felt bad for him. His name's Forrest. Um, go look him up. He's out at the. He does a good enough mind tour. They get paid absolute shit. Um, so I gave him a really good tip. I felt bad for the guy. Um, but you know he's got two kids. He's trying to get his life together, just like we're all trying to get our life together. So shout out to Forrest at the good enough mind tour. Um, what else did we do? We went through some of the bars in Tombstone. Uh, you'll see some of the bullets, holes that are still in the bars. Uh, they do just shoot the shit out of everything. They would get drunk. Um, they were making a lot of money. Like, um, the miners were making $4 a day, which was more than, um, the average daily pay. Um, runners, people who handled the back and forth with the dynamites. Um, they were making $5 a day, so at the end of the day, they worked 10-hour days, six days a week, and they would just go gamble, and everybody had guns, and they'd just shoot up the place, and, um, Wyatt Earp and his brothers and Doc Holliday eventually made their way, uh, to Tombstone, and, uh, they wanted to be a part of the silver mining, uh, boom that was happening at that time. But they got caught up with the cowboys and um, uh, eventually had to become the law of the town because the town was an absolute um, in disarray, let's say. Anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. 
Um, I went to Bisbee as well. Uh, Bisbee. I went to Bisbee because Doug Stanhope, the famous comedian, talks about Bisbee a lot. And uh, so it's about another 25 minutes southeast of Tombstone. I came from Phoenix, so, you know, well over a three-hour drive in total. So, yeah, Bisbee's pretty cool. It's a small little artsy, fun town. A lot of, like, locals owning local shops. Like, Walmart hasn't invaded. Um, it's very, um... Uh, there's a town I can think of that's called Haleiwa on Oahu where it's very uh, like a, they call it the historic Haleiwa town uh, where they keep everything uh, the way it is because it's kind of um, historic in a sense so that's the way I view his Bisbee uh, historic town and they're not going to change a lot and really colorful town but uh, I was talking to some of the locals about Bisbee and they call it the new San Francisco they say yeah all the gays head down all over to Bisbee and they are just tearing up the place and uh, I didn't get that vibe um, I got a vibe of like um, drug usage is probably much higher in Bisbee uh, that's the vibe I got just near the post office and just walking around and uh, talking to some of the locals so definitely got that vibe there drug usage is um, I would assume higher than uh, like let's say a tombstone tombstone seems to be just a bunch of people who love to drink and enjoy the town uh, so yeah tombstone Bisbee and then I drove back um, the next day I went over to uh, I went up north and went to Flagstaff and the Grand Canyon the Grand Canyon um, I didn't really plan anything I wanted to like walk around and check it out but I ended up doing like an eight hour eight hour hike which um in hindsight was pretty fucking stupid because um, going back up the grand canyon was an absolute bitch so um uh go do it if you want but uh tons of pictures i still gotta post a bunch of pictures i'm uh, trying to get better at social media but sometimes this uh feels like work uh, so yeah, the Grand Canyon, going up the mountain step by step was kind of, um, made me think about my goals. I knew that if I, no matter how slow I went back up the canyon, if I went one step by one step by one step, I would eventually get back to the top no matter, uh, I had nothing but time, I, wasn't, I didn't have to be anywhere the next day. So even if it took me to midnight, I knew I was going to make it. But I admit I had like beef jerky and mango and all this stuff. Um, but there were there were points where I was like, I should just make a beef jerky necklace with mango and just have a mountain lion uh, take me out because this Grand Canyon is uh, absolutely miserable. So if a mountain lion just grabs me by the neck and just ends the misery that is this eight-hour hike, so thought about that twice and then um, you know I just made it back up so no mountain lions i was looking for them uh so yeah um what else is happening i wanted to instead of a song i wanted to play uh a speech by al pacino is a football movie any any given sunday i think that's what it's called and um going back up the mountain i i thought about 
that clip in the movie and I uh, turned the clip into an mp3 so I'll attach it here and I'll uh, put it on the website as well um, yeah it was inch by inch but in my case going up the Grand Canyon it was uh, step by step so um, I, I, I think uh, the Grand Canyon is is much more uh, metaphorical than it is physical because the end goal no matter how high the hike is let's say uh, one step by one step one inch by one inch in Al Pacino's speech's case you'll get there so you'll get there I'll get there everybody will get there as long as we go inch by inch uh, step by step so um, here it is Al Pacino in his, uh, his pretty famous speech uh, I think everybody knows it, so it might be a refresher for most of you. Uh, as this, I think this movie was fairly popular whenever it came out in the late 90s or early 2000s. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Now either... We heal as a team, or we're going to crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. One inch at a time. Now, I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces, and I think, I mean, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh, I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in a mirror. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out Life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. <laughs> On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Yeah. Between living and dying. Yeah.
in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that itch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now, I can't make you do it. You got to look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now, I think you're going to see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're going to see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're going to do the same for him. That's the team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you gonna do? Tell me that just doesn't punch you all in the feels. Uh, so that's, I googled it uh, while the song was playing. Any given Sunday, and uh, that's a great scene. That's uh, one of the great scenes that stick with me. There's a bunch of great scenes that I can think of in movies that just um, really, really stay with me. So, um, another one is Fight Club. Fight Club towards the end when the buildings collapse. That's one that sticks with me. Memento, when he wakes up in the morning and he ends up uh, tattooing himself and trying to figure out what it, what happened because everything's in reverse order and he, he has like a short-term memory. I think of that. And um, I watched Tombstone the day I returned back to my hotel from... Tombstone and Bisbee I ended up watching the movie because I was so excited and uh, tons of great scenes in that movie as well it's funny uh, a friend who lives in another country uh, she's always texting me lines from the movie because she loves the movie as well so I was sending her pictures and you know she wants to go there as well so uh, Tombstone, um, I'm actually recommending it to everyone now. It's an old movie, 1993, but it's a great movie. And, um, you ain't no Daisy. Like, uh, he has these lines, like, the way I started this podcast, I'm your Huckleberry. Uh, he said that as well. So, the scene uh, stems from Doc Holliday, who... It's like a legitimate gangster. Um, Val Kilmer plays him in the movie Tombstone. And he absolutely crushes it. Um, he does what I believe to be similar to what Heath Ledger did with the Joker. So absolutely consume a role and crush it. Crush, destroy. So that's... Um, and Doc Holliday was an interesting guy. Um, he was his name was John Henry Holiday, 
um, but they called him Doc Holiday because he went to Pennsylvania or something, and he became a dentist. He was a dentist when he was 21. Um, so that's a young ass age to become a dentist and graduate from a college. Um, when he was 15, he watched his mother die from tuberculosis. He also got tuberculosis as well, Doc Holliday, and he started practicing dentistry. Um, they didn't call it tuberculosis back then, they called it cons consumption, where um, you were just, your whole body was consumed. So, Doc Holliday knew he had a death sentence with this consumption, and he stopped practicing dentistry. The clients didn't really trust somebody who had this consumption. They thought it was contagious and um, he could pass it on just, you know, by being near a person. So uh, he didn't want to put his own family through the pain of watching him die a slow death, like how they watched his mother die. Um, Doc Holliday thought that if he moved out west, that environmental conditions would be a lot better for his tuberculosis. So he moved out west. Uh, the drier climate was what he thought would ease his pain. Uh, he tried to open a dentistry uh, as well out in Texas, but uh, he just couldn't get it together. So his health um, really made him kind of turn into this gambling degenerate uh, who then later met up with Wyatt Earp. He saved his, he's, Doc Holliday saved Wyatt's life. I don't know the details of that story, but I think that's why Wyatt always felt in debt to Doc Holliday. Uh, they moved to Tombstone, Arizona, and you know, the rest is history. You can watch the movie. Um, I know like surface level shit about the the intricacies of, I watched two documentaries on Doc Holliday. Um, I watched the actual movie, I think I read two articles, so I'm not uh, uh, as proficient as I wish I could be, so I'm sure I'll end up reading. I'll probably end up buying a book and learning much more about Doc Holliday, because he's an interesting dude. Absolutely interesting. Uh, super smart, uh, they called him an aristocrat. Um, yeah, he had a way with the words. He was like a silver-tongued dude. Um, he could draw his guns out faster than anyone. Uh, he was feared. Uh, he had a reputation that preceded him. So, uh, Doc Holliday is one of the dudes that if I could go back in history and meet, I would definitely would meet. Would like to meet him and not get shot. Uh, I would like to meet Mark Twain as well. Um, if I spoke the same language, I'd like to meet Genghis Khan. Uh, so, yeah. What else is happening Wednesday, August 22nd? Recording this podcast prior to Hurricane Lane. We're supposed to get smashed by this hurricane. Um, some websites are saying uh, it might not even come near us. Other websites are saying we're going to get destroyed. So, um, we'll see what happens. CNN's, you know. Um, saying we gotta prepare, so you know they're fake. <laughs> Just kidding. I usually go to Hawaii News now and figure it out. So, like two days or so, I think Friday night, we're supposed to get destroyed. Um, we'll see what happens. I ended up buying a bunch of. Sh I gave into the craze of 
filling up your gas tank and buying a bunch of shit you don't need and just, oh, well, you know, 10 bags of beef jerky or whatever. Uh, just absolutely spend way too much money because the panic monster uh, <laughs> came after me. I was like, you know what, this thing might hit and I'm not going to eat for up to six years and then die a terrible death in my condo. So don't want that to happen. I bought some beef jerky and almonds. I'm going to be fine. Hurricane Lane. What an interesting name. Uh, it doesn't sound so devastating, right? It sounds like a, like Katrina. When you say Hurricane Katrina, you don't say, um, Hurricane Katrina came through and, like, did all the damage that it did. Um, you could say, like, you know, Katrina came through and watered our gardens or something. Hurricane Lane just doesn't have, um, the sound or impact, um, that a hurricane should have. But they use Hurricane Lane as a name, um, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, uh, it's just a reoccurring storm slash hurricane that uh, occurs in the Pacific, it seems. So, that's where that came from. Um, people, they, they rush into the stores, they buy up everything in preparation for times like this. Um, I'm not so good at that, I don't know why. I just buy whatever I think is good. If power goes out anyway, uh, you're not going to be able to cook anything. Um, unless you have like an outside grill and you can have propane or something I don't know I'm terrible I should know how to uh, survive when the power goes out um, fishing or you know but how, how would you get clean water clean water would be the issue I have you know get five gallon jugs that I put on my uh, water machine thing so water is good um, I was trying to wrap my head around what I need or what is good to buy and I came across a an article that said like things such as eggs and spam and tuna and other canned fish pasta rice peanut butter and jelly that I did buy with bread because you know you can eat that anytime beef jerky pudding pudding I didn't get why would you get pudding fruits and vegetables are given but the number one thing the article said to get was these uh, prepared Indian food packets um, I've never even heard of it. I've never seen it. But I guess they're like uh, MREs. MREs is um, Meals Ready to Eat. It's a military acronym for um, a gourmet meal in a brown bag. So, yeah. All right. That's enough ranting for now. That's 27 minutes. I probably could have done a whole hour just on the Arizona trip and not get to questions. Uh, maybe in the future I'll do that. I'll just talk about trips that I went on or deployments or tell stories uh, about travels. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't really have a plan for this podcast. I, it's free. Everything's... Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but it's fun for now. So I'm going to keep doing it until it's not fun. And then I'm going to find something else that's fun. Um... But before that, I want to give some shout-outs. My analytics came through. And a huge shout-out to Israel. I don't know why um, the numbers jumped up in Israel. Uh, Maybe some kind of algorithm or a hashtag I used or something. Uh, I don't know how to correlate how the analytics of these numbers uh, occur. It just occurs and then I have to kind of speculate from that. 
um, vantage point. So um, Poland popped up as well. Uh, so Czech Polska is that how you say hi? Uh, Nazdrowia, that one I know. That's like a cheers in Polish. So all right, questions. Here we go. This one's from David. What is the problem with calling introverts people with lesser and poorer communication skills? Are all extroverts good at expressing their feelings? Okay, David, first of all, and this is one of the uh, things I like to kind of um, foot stomp, like really uh, have people take note, is you have to question the premise. Whenever there's a question or a statement or whatever, don't take it as a truism. Don't take it as gospel. Um, just because people can use words doesn't mean it's true. So you need to always question the premise. And David, in this instance, I got to question this whole entire question because your question presupposes that your definitions are accurate. So first of all, most people, you can probably generalize and say all people are both introverts and uh, extroverts. They're both introverts and extroverts. However, you have to caveat that with one's going to be more dominant than the other. Somebody could be 60 extrovert, 40 introvert. They could be 70, 30. Uh, they could be flipped over the other way around. So it's not either or. Um, and then your kind of universal all extroverts good at expressing their feelings no um that's not necessarily true and some oftentimes people get the definitions mixed up introverts and extroverts aren't what you think they are um introverts and extroverts are all about how they re-energize how they get gratification it's not that guy is or girl is talkative in a social setting so they have to be an extrovert that's not true uh, an extrovert will get the gratification and the re-energization from that group setting whereas introverts usually will re-energize in their head alone um, and they get the gratification by being in their head by being alone by uh, you know focusing on their thoughts um, in an in in a group setting an introvert can lose energy whereas an extrovert can like re-energize and being alone and reading a book for an extrovert who are who is dominantly extrovert uh, can be draining for them so like if reading a book and being in your head is draining uh, you're probably not a dominant introvert so I'm gonna say no to your question are all extroverts good at expressing their feelings? No, because it depends. Um, what is the problem with calling introverts people with lesser and poorer? That's a big problem. Um, people are going to vary in all instances, no matter how you cut this pie. So, um, chances are most people are uh, both. They're dominant in one, and it's all about how they re-energize the the actual traits that you try to define here doesn't really work so yeah question the premise melinda should i tell people i am a demisexual now 
I didn't Google that word because I've never heard that word before. I don't want to seem desperate for attention, but in some circumstances, I might want them to know. So demisexual, for those that don't know, because I didn't know this, is someone who does not have a sexual connection with a person until they have an emotional connection with that person. And some people would just say that's normal, right? Like it's, it's uh, you can make that argument. So should you tell people, yeah, tell people who cares? Nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't like, what's that joke? How do you know when someone does CrossFit? Don't worry, they'll tell you. Or the same goes for vegan, right? How do you know when someone's vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. So, as long as you don't, like, throw it at people. Um, maybe you're, like, getting to know a dude. And maybe he makes a move and he's um, moving kind of quick. And you, and you feel as though you're not sexually connected with this person. Because you're not emotionally connected yet. Then maybe you can bring it up. And hopefully he has the sensitivity to maybe understand the word, understand the definition, wrap his head around the context of the situation. Um, So I say yes, you should tell people, but don't tell everyone. Just, just, Just be sensitive to the fact that you don't want to throw this thing around and kind of virtue signal. If that's your goal, I would say no. Keep it to yourself. Only... Tell those with a need to know is is and, and and you are the only one privy to give that need to know out to people. So it's gonna be your choice, but I say yes, tell people only when they need to know. Okay, moving on. From Fleischer. Fleischer? F-L-E-I-S-C-H-E-R. Why do restaurants try to seat you at the bar? Even when there is hardly anyone there. What? Oh, okay. Restaurants try to seat you at the bar. Okay, so like if the restaurant's empty. Um, people tend to spend more money at the bar versus... And, and it, it makes sense because you're sitting at the bar and you see like... There's a reason why there's 500 different liquors in front of you. You just be like, bartender, give me a shot of that. You get frisky, man. So, restaurants want you to sit at the bar because chances are you're going to spend more money and you're going to interact with the bar uh, tender instead of being at the table and, you know, just you and your date or your friend or whoever. And you guys spend maybe one drink and you guys get a meal. But if you sit at the bar, you might get a couple of drinks. You might get an appetizer. The likelihood of you getting, like, nachos or something that goes with an alcoholic drink increases exponentially. So... People want to get you to the bar because the likelihood you'll spend more money goes up. Uh, good question. From Dennis, what is one thing that I can learn from you today? Um, one thing you can learn from me? Uh, I always talk about free will and I don't think uh, absolute free will exists, but I've already hit that on the podcast. Um, religion. I, I kind of attack organized religion, especially when, they're pro- when they proactively attack. When they uh, proselytize, I usually uh, counterattack. So that's another thing I like to uh, go after. I feel like it's weird. I feel like it's I have an obligation to to try to save people from organized religion. 
Uh, that's irony right there. Another thing you can learn from me is to play the economic game. Like, you are born, you, me, everybody, we're born uh, into a country we didn't choose. We're born into parents we didn't choose. Like, there's a lot of shit we didn't choose. Uh, the economic uh, situation that we grow up in, we don't get to choose that, right? So if, you, if you're born in America, capitalistic society, uh, relative to North Korea or China, right? You have to play that game. You have to play the game that the, the country says, hey, this is our economic game that we play. So learn to play the economic game as best as you can. Use it to your advantage. Um, figure out a way to win time. That's another thing I'd, I'd, I'd tell you because money's good. Money's nice and all. Money's like helps and relieves stress. Um, and not too much money. Too much money. The, the studies for people who have too much money, uh, their happiness actually decreases. Happiness actually decreases after $75,001. More than that, uh, happiness decreases. I don't know why. Um, that's just what the research shows. So, um, yeah, you're really only going to have time. So figure out a way to use the economic game to your advantage so that you can have some kind of time in your 30s, 40s, 50s, whenever. Um, whether it be working to retirement or doing real estate and trying to retire young or um, running your own business or having some internet um, something or multi-level marketing or whatever, figure out a way to win a bunch of time um, because that's really all you and or anybody has. Money's nice, friends, family, all of that's nice. Um, but time, time is, the I think, the most important thing because the clock's ticking and um, your heart's just going to stop. <laughs> My heart's going to stop. Everybody's heart's going to stop. So that's, that was super depressing. Moving on. Sorry, Dennis. Um, what is the most depressing thing a student has said to you? Damn it. Going right back into depressing stuff. Um, I hear student, uh, college students say that they can't do it. It's too hard. That's pretty depressing as well. Um, when you tell yourself you can't do it, it's too hard. It's just too difficult. I don't have the time. Um, it's impossible for me. You don't understand my situation. My life is complicated. Um, uh, I have too many bills. This is going to be impossible. I don't know where the time's going to be, but I'm going to have to fight traffic. Um, I, I don't know who to talk to. I don't know how to get started. Whatever. Um, all of that shit, all the you know, excuses, the depressing thing is people make excuses. Uh, if there's a will, there's a way. And if you tell yourself you can't do it, it's too hard, traffic's crazy, all this shit, you're going to fulfill that prophecy. You're going to keep telling yourself that, and then it's going to be a truth, right? Um, so you're going to have to tell yourself, I can do it. Uh, it can be easy. I just got to Google some shit. I got to uh, find an enrollment counselor. I got to, you know, figure out a way into the system. So if you just change your language, the likelihood that your actions will change as well um, goes up. So uh, unfuck your language and it'll help your life. Lynette. From Lei Li, L-E-I-L-I. What makes us unique? Um, I'm assuming she's talking about humans. Um, what makes us unique is the, and I'm going to go back to time here, but the, our understanding of time seems to be 
the most um, interesting thing amongst the animal kingdom, right? Throw, putting us into the animal kingdom as well. Uh, there, there seems to be no evidence of, of other animals that can understand their own death, that can understand uh, tomorrow, that can understand yesterday, that can understand like delayed gratification, um, all of those things combined. Um, yeah, that really makes us unique. Um, even more so like team roles and unit cohesion and um, our ability to work together in a group seems to be our most strongest um, variable, right? One person can't take down the mammoth, but if like seven of us get together and we like build some kind of plan, we could take down the mammoth. And mammoth can be an actual mammoth or a mammoth can be an, uh, um metaphor for something. So what makes us unique to me are those things. Um, from XOXOMS Perfect. Oh, kind of long one. I've been looking for a job for a while now. And everywhere I look, they say experience required and preferred. But how am I supposed to get experience? in that area if no one will hire me without experience? It's a good question. It reminds me of a, uh, when I used to do stand-up comedy, a guy went on stage. We all used to like help and support each other. I forget his name, I wish I could think of his name. But he went on stage and he was like brand new. And he went up there and he said, uh, everyone tells me not to open up with new material. Right, new material being uh, like new jokes that you, you've written. Um, and he said, but this is my first time on stage. How the fuck am I supposed to start? And I just remember like dying laughing. Because it's true, right? Like if, if you follow that advice, you will never start. So uh, for you specifically, XO, perfect. You just gotta get in there, you gotta get on stage, and you just gotta try some shit out. You gotta, I, I know this isn't gonna be popular, but get into McDonald's, get into Jack in a Box. Believe it or not, they would teach you very valuable experience. That is more valuable than the hourly wage you'll get. Um, being able to learn a task and learn a hierarchy within an organization and learn that um, there's going to be a shift manager and there's going to be an assistant manager and there's going to be a general manager and then like an like a, a area manager or regional manager and it goes up, 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 up. And you can see that echelon and you might start off like with the fries and you might make it to cashier and you might um, make it to the drive through or whatever and then somebody might leave you a tip one day or like, thank you or whatever. So... You make it up to whatever you want. You have some experience now. You find a job that will take you. And then you can go somewhere else. Like for me, for example, my first kind of real job um, in, a, in, in like an organizational hierarchy setting that I could really wrap my head around because I don't really count my first two jobs. Um, I, I don't think I had a picture of the job in the way that I had 
um, when I was working at Papa John's. So working at Papa John's uh, taught me very valuable lessons um, that I've taken with me, you know, 17, 17, 17 years later. Uh, so find a job that will take you without experience. Uh, McDonald's, Jack in the Box, Taco Bell, Papa John's, Domino's, Pizza Hut. Uh, that's what they're there for. They're shitty jobs. Um, but you will learn things that you will take with you for the rest of your life. So, um, don't give up, homie. From Ninja M. What is the greatest attribute mankind can possess? Alright, so... My brain is defaulting to leadership for two reasons. One, it's going to be a large part of my dissertation. And I think it's the most important thing a society needs. It's ironic because it's the most important thing and yet no one really understands it at the highest levels. Uh, no one has a clue what leadership is and or a universal model of leadership that fits all. So. I think that's why there's so many dissertations uh, and research on leadership because there's a bunch of hungry scholars that are trying to trying to add into the leadership field to figure this shit out because it needs to be figured out. Um, so yeah, but that wasn't your question. Your question said greatest attribute, and I said important. Um, Mindfulness. I think it has to be mindfulness. Being able to not stress out over little shit. Uh, knowing that death will come to us all and it'll be okay in the end. Um, the earth will still spin without us here. Um, our life is kind of insignificant. Um, but and it's okay. Uh, knowing death. Uh, all you can do is the best you can do. And there's a lot of shit you can't control. I think practicing mindfulness is the greatest thing this world needs, right? You can kind of get rid of the ego, and not really get rid of it, but diminish it in a sense where it doesn't like just control your life. Um, yeah, mindfulness, man. Um, however, Dr. Huffman, who was our year one residency uh, facilitator, would argue that mindfulness is a part of leadership, so I could tie that back into that. Um, there's a quote by Theodore Roosevelt that comes to mind. Uh, he said, Do what you can with what you have where you are. Um, so that's a very powerful quote. It stuck with me. Because that's all you can really do. Do the best you can do um, with the things you have where you are. Um, if you can't control shit, no, there's no use in stressing yourself out. There's no use in... And stress is toxic. So, essentially, when you choose to stress yourself out, you're choosing to poison yourself. And if you think of that logically, that doesn't make any sense. So, it doesn't make any sense to just always be constantly stressed out. No, of, however, you're going to have good stress as well. Like, I have to go teach a class, or I have to go do a presentation, or... I have to go perform and lecture on whatever in front of a group of people. I'm going to be stressed out. That's a good, strong, healthy stress. Um, make sure I'm not, uh, you know, overly cocky and 
the stress will uh, will ensure that I give it my best because I'm gonna study. I'm gonna know my shit. I'm gonna uh, make sure the presentation is good. The PowerPoint works. We have power. The projector is good. Like the, the, the there's certain stress that you need to make sure your productivity chugs forward. So yeah, uh, that's that. From Randall, why isn't America seen as hypocritical? I think I've hit this question before. Um, I'm gonna skip that one. Do you know the truth about hell? Is it really a place of eternal punishment by being burned forever and ever as taught by religion? Do you know the truth about hell? Do I know the truth about hell? Hell might not be a real place, but uh, Jordan Peterson's angle on hell is an interesting one. He talks about hell actually being uh, like a mindset, let's say. And Jordan Peterson can, you, sometimes you gotta listen to him three or four times to really figure out uh, where he takes it. Because he angles shit off in a way that not too many people angle their shit off. So, um, here's a good example. Sometimes in real estate, you deal with very personal problems. One example of this is someone is dying, okay? or has died and their will isn't clearly defined and they own real estate now that house can absolutely rip apart that family the reason for that is especially in hawaii because the real estate is so expensive here let's throw a number out someone dies and they have a house that's worth let's say seven hundred thousand dollars Okay, let's say the house is paid off because they paid it off in a long time ago when the house was $400,000 and now it's worth $700,000. So they let's say he had two sons and two daughters. Now that's four people who most likely will want a claim to that house. Now, one son might want to keep the house because he's attached to it. One son lives in Washington or whatever, and he wants to sell it and would just split the $700,000. And the two uh, daughters or sisters, uh, maybe they have a certain angle of what they want to do with the house. So now they got to get lawyers involved and lawyers cost money. And now they're arguing about um, the money aspect and who's going to pay for what and the lawyers are going to fight. And uh, so that can be absolute hell. Um, so hell can be a mindset or a situation. Uh, that's that I like that definition of hell. I don't, I don't subscribe to the fact that you, you were kind of a bad person and you get sent to the underground to get uh, harassed by fire demons for all eternity like i can't buy that i i i I don't see why that's productive or i don't i don't see why um someone omnipotent would make that a choice um so i i i can't buy into that next this one's from anonymous war is killing and all killing is wrong 
Therefore, is war wrong? No. Uh, someone's got to be the world police. Uh, if you're in America, luckily, America is sort of the world police. Because you don't necessarily want someone to be the world police who has um, evil intentions, let's say. Uh, and America is not the best... Uh, or America is not perfect, right? No country is perfect. Um, but we do more good than we do uh, damage. So that's the way I'd like to put it. This country is good. It's the only country I can think of where someone can decide and go from absolute poverty to absolutely successful. Um, you think of the Scandinavian countries, that's always seems to be the example of look at the Scandinavian countries, look at Norway, look at um, whatever. They're doing fine, right? They're happy. Um, they get taxed the shit out of like 42%, I think, of their paychecks gone. And they seem happy, like everyone's happy there, but um, I don't think I could do that. Uh, and I don't think a lot of Americans could do that. So. If you like that type of thing, I'd say move over there. Um, so, unfortunately, you need war because someone wants to cut your head off just because you were born here. That's not fair, right? You didn't roll the dice and say, oh, looks like I'm getting America, and then pop out of, uh, you know, someone's body in New York or California or Montana or Idaho or wherever you're randomly born right all this uh, seems to be arbitrary so the fact that someone wants to kill you because of something you didn't control or have anything to do with is crazy and that's true so uh, that's the first time you're hearing that I apologize from Mirza what don't people tell you about international travel people don't tell you that it's much safer than you actually think it is like um the news media will terrify you with a bombing in paris or you know something crazy happened in germany or look at all this shit going on in south america international travel is much safer than you think it is you could easily go to england germany um you could go to paris uh, you can go to South America. I've been to South America. You're going to be fine, uh, most likely. So, um, what the news, like, don't go there and, like, all this stuff. When you actually get into the country and you, like, start walking around and, you like, checking out the market and the sites and all this stuff, um, you don't see all this raping and killing and bombing and shooting and all this stuff that you hear on the news. You don't see that. International travel is much safer, especially if you're if you choose wisely with your countries. Let's take the Japan for example. Japan is notoriously known for being super safe. When we were in Japan, uh, I heard a crazy thing. They said if a girl walks around in the middle of the night off base, she is statistically safer than walking around on base. And when I heard that, I was like, mine equals blown. So, Japan is super safe. Um, pick your countries wisely, Mirza, and travel if you want. Okay? 
uh, yeah from Nanya what is the name of a city that begins with the letter H uh, Helsinki Helsinki is in Finland right that's where uh, all the presidents just met recently this year last year I don't know from Archie Bunker serious question about racism why is it that the race card always seems to be the go-to when something bad happens like a shooting why isn't it also pointed out for other things for instance lebron james oh basketball reference i don't know anything about sports was just complaining about trump okay how old is this question six days um saying he wasn't as good as obama okay lebron james complaining about trump saying he's not as good as obama got it Maybe I think it's racist that LeBron is only an Obama fan because they're both black. 96% of blacks voted for Obama in 08. Is that racism? What in the fuck is this question? Okay, hold on. Here's... Alright. Question the premise, right? I talked about that. President, ex-president, Barack Obama is just as much non-black as he is black right i've never understood like oh he's like they treat him as though he's 100 percent uh he's half and half right to my understanding so um i i never i never got that uh i never bought uh the premise that um, you know, people just forget that he's half and half, so we'll just leave it as that, because that's going to be <laughs> treading dirty waters here. All right, so why do... Okay, so he's just, essentially his question is, why do people go towards race, right? This is the whole thing of his question. Why do people claim racism when shit gets crazy that's the foundation of his question and i think that people go straight to racism because it's not fair people think it's not fair so racism it's not fair so racism look at all this shit to racism look at all this shit over here okay racism and they do it with sexism i mean look at her like oh she's having troubles right sexism it's it's the label to justify the means right dave chappelle said in an interview uh forget the interview where it was i think it was in the actor's studio or something uh where he was talking about the word crazy he said when you call someone crazy it's dismissive and it's the worst thing you can do because when you when you say ah oh, they're crazy you label them crazy one and you you kind of uh, push them to the side and not seek to understand the root of the problem right oh they're crazy so I'll just go ahead and dismiss label and not have to critically think or creatively think as to why uh, this person or situation is the way it is right you can just say crazy throw the label on and forget about it right because it's too much work and energy to try to figure this shit out so racism is kind of like that label 
sexism is kind of like that label. Um, that's the way I interpret it. So uh, they throw these labels around because life isn't fair. It's not fair. Um, I think the sooner people get to grips with that, the better their own lives will be. Like, it's not fair. Um, a lot of shit I can't control, but I'm going to do my best. I'm going to... I have 24 hours a day, just like everyone else has 24 hours a day. And we all start the same, right? I'm going to get up at a certain time. I'm going to try to knock out as much goals as I can. I'm going to do all the shit I need to do. And everybody else will do the same thing. So... Um, but some people have different advantages over others, and that's not fair. Some of that is based on race. Some of that is based on classism. Classism, that's one nobody really talks about. Um, that's not fair either. So um, Some people will get a better, better education because their parents can afford it. Um, statistically, they'll be white. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's just not fair. So that's why I think people call racism because they say uh, here's a label for something that I can put a claim on that uh, allows me to to prove that this is not fair. Now I'm not saying racism doesn't exist. Uh, racism exists but it's slowly morphing into something uh, that it shouldn't be uh, and it's something Candace Owens has been calling out for some time. Alright, this one's from Michael. Deep down, do you wish the zombie apocalypse would happen? No. Does you, do you think somebody would say yes to this question? Uh, like an actual like Walking Dead zombie? No. Fucking no, Michael. Um, I'll go for no for 500 there, Jack. Um, yeah, no. But, there was a meme of a bunch of kids coming from school, and they said, people worry about the zombie apocalypse coming, but it's here, right? And it was all the kids looking at their phone and not talking to each other, right? So they were saying that the zombie apocalypse is here now, and it's because nobody's talking to each other. And it's because, you know, people are walking around with their heads down, um, the interaction with this new generation is all through phones, is all through the device, so um, the argument for zombie apocalypse happening now is, is an interesting one. Okay, question 15. Five more. Uh, hour and two. 10.09. I'll just cut through these questions. This could be a longer podcast. From Siddhartha. Uh, that's a cool name. What are your personal Ten Commandments? My personal Ten Commandments? Um, question the premise, right? That's three times I brought that up. Question the premise. I think that's like the most important. That's, that's one of the best skills you can have is when you like everything that enters your ears and tries to get to your brain should be questioned. Like, hmm, is that true? Where is that coming from? Okay. Um... I don't accept that as a truism, so I can't really answer your question because I don't really accept that premise. So question the premise number one. Think about your death. Think about your own death. Think about, like, you're going to be... 
<laughs> it's not gonna be popular, but like there's gonna be tubes up your nose and you're gonna be dying a slow death while you're found. Like think about all that shit. Realize how scary that is and uh, live your life. Live your life as best you can um, because you're gonna die. So think about your death is important to me. That's number two. Uh, think about what people want you to do. Think about the people that are supporting you. People to th think about the people that want you to do well. Um, that's number three. Um, think about your own free will and how you don't control a lot of shit. Um, do the best you can, right, with what you have where you are. Let's go back to President Roosevelt's quote. Um, practice mindfulness. That's another one, right? We talked about that. Travel, that's good. Uh, travel is kind of a, a psychedelic experience in a sense that uh, it breaks barriers. It'll break barriers as to what you think culture actually is and what norms you think is actually normal based on your definition of normal. Um, yeah, travel. So especially outside of your country. Uh, play the economic game you're trapped in. This is all stuff we just talked about earlier. Figure out a way to get more time. Um, let me think of one that we haven't talked about. Enjoy. Uh, enjoy every now and then. Um, you know, you want to have ice cream and fucking go on an alcoholic bender for a week and do it. Right? Do it safely. Um, you want to um, have a week of just you know not working or something enjoy you know call in sick for if you have the leave um so enjoy every now and then take a vacation go somewhere uh and i'm working on a thing i call the four levels it's, i'm probably going to change it to the five levels but um number one is unfuck yourself right like that's the most important thing like you're gonna have a bunch of demons you're gonna have a bunch of insecurities you're gonna have a bunch of stuff that you want to fix about yourself so unfuck yourself that's level one level two is unfuck the people around you help them unfuck themselves help them achieve level one so level one unfuck yourself figure your shit out level two help your friends to unfuck themselves so they can achieve level one and then achieve level two as well by then propagating the level two onto level one level three where it gets difficult uh, start unfucking like your community like if your community is in disarray um, and you can maybe like go to like a town meeting or even like an association meeting and start trying to trying to fix shit as you can uh, as best you can and then level four is try to unfuck your state if like you know a lot of people who try to be like honest politicians then try to go to level four and fix their state um, and that's why I think a lot of people go after politicians who aren't level one because we will call you out on the stuff that you're fucked up on so we want uh, a politician who's going for level four to also be level one certified level two certified because if not we will find your shit and we will call you out on Twitter Right, that seems to be the prevailing narrative. That, that seems to be what we're doing now. Um, politician does some stupid shit and we just bring that politician down because they're not level one certified. They haven't unfucked themselves yet. So, something I'm thinking about, something I'm working on. The four levels, it'll probably be five levels. 
but that's definitely on my personal 10 commandments right i try to unfuck myself i try to help others unfuck themselves and then i gotta work on like uh, upgrading my shit and trying to fix a community and getting involved and volunteering so that's where i'm struggling at right now um from uzcx1 what are some undeniably good things about the united states of america undeniably good things um the ability to just travel from state to state uh, when i was in new hampshire i drove down to boston and nobody gave me any issues nobody gave me any drama i just filled the car up and drove down there and then i drove up to maine and i had like a lobster roll right near on the harbor with this amazing view i checked out portland maine and i walked around i looked at the museums and um yeah uh drive down to arizona uh went southeast i went north i could have gone to california when i was in oregon we went to washington um so the the ability to just drive around and travel state to state is probably one of the best things about the us of a um yeah europe can do that too um so that's pretty cool uh yeah and like how i talked about earlier the ability to go from absolute poverty to absolute success is something that seems to be unique with america um that's why the immigrants come here right there's the what is it the visa h1b h h2b whatever that special visa where super someone is super smart and they can come over to america to work uh from raz what would an american who's never left the country not understand about the rest of the world what would an american who's never left the country not understand about the rest of the world an american who's never left the country wouldn't understand how weird america can can get um because you, you you need to leave the country in order to understand like okay some of the shit we do in our country is weird as well uh so if you never leave the country you don't you can't apply relativity because they do some weird shit in kuwait and then you can compare it to america if you live in america and you only stay in america you have nothing to compare it to uh so that's probably they lose that compare and contrast they don't lose it because they never had it um they just never gained the ability um from id like a whiskey you have a drone that can travel undetected back to any point in time anywhere on earth and take one snapshot that is sent back to you what do you take a photo of ah this one's easy i would take a photo of when our ancestors yours mine everyone's uh ancestors left eastern africa because the grasslands became dry lands and they traveled up north they had to make a decision some went east to then become asians and some went west to then become uh, western europeans um i would like a snapshot of that like a discussion or whatever like meeting they had and said i'm going east and then other people said i'm going west and some people might say i wasn't going north if i could have a snapshot of that because that um meeting is the meeting of all meetings that is that meeting is the reason why everybody's here 
the, the reason why there's 7 billion of us uh, on this planet is because they went their separate ways whether they be tribes or uh, they separated because they agreed left or right uh, I would love a snapshot of that so that's one thing I think of that uh, is very interesting from night changes what is your favorite or most interesting paradox the paradox of choice um, is, is the most interesting thing because you would assume that the more choices you me or anyone has the easier life would be but that doesn't seem to be true the more choices someone has the the more likely that they could overanalyze and paralyze themselves. So, uh, and I think that's why In-N-Out Burger does so well because y you get like three burger choices, right? So, uh, w when I was in um, Arizona, I ate an In-N-Out Burger and it's crazy how many people go there and how many people get out and uh, they have such a good organizational system uh, they get everybody's food out and like everybody's hustling and there's a good communication and I like to see a study on what makes them so uh, effective and I would wager that it's because they have three choices with their burgers so they become subject matter, subject matter experts. Last one from Dan B. What are the worst types of people to travel with? Oh, the worst types of people to travel with are the people that stress out, who treat travel like work, like, oh, we gotta be there at 7 a.m. and like we're on a deadline and we need to get there and we need to get up at 5 and we need to make sure like everything's done and we need to go, 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 go. Um, yeah, like, relax, homie. We're on vacation or we're traveling, so we'll just go with the flow. Um, there are things that are... There are businesses out there that want visitors to walk in, right? They're just waiting for everyone. So there's always something to do where you are. Uh, but a person who treats uh, traveling like work and they have tasks and they got to do shit and they're on a timeline and all this stuff um to me they're not fun people to travel with because uh traveling should be very spontaneous it should you should you should walk around and like just randomly walk into a store or randomly experience a, a music something that's happening or maybe someone's uh, playing the drums or i don't know so spontaneity traveling spontaneity while traveling uh, instead of stressful um, chronological traveling that is like seems to be mandated uh, really ruins the traveling experience all right hour 15 uh, this thing went much longer than i thought it would uh, hopefully the volume sounds good i changed the way the gain works on this uh, microphone it might pick up a lot of the AC but I'm hoping not I don't hear it uh, on my feedback here so um, 
we'll see you next week. Um, as always, I'm on social media on all the stuff. You know what it is. All right, here's Ed Dupas, Promise Land, right? Unfuck yourself and together we can get into the promised land. Bye bye. Together.